0: Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I am your host, Tara Clark, and you know, here on Modern Mom Probs, we are trying to solve the world's problems, but you know what? If we can't, at least we're having fun talking about them. Today's topic is how to stop overfunctioning and become the person you are meant to be with Dr. Whitney Casares. Dr. Whitney Casares is a practicing board-certified pediatrician, author, speaker, and full-time working mom. Dr. Whitney is a a Stanford University-trained private practice physician whose expertise spans the public health, direct patient care, and media worlds. She's also the CEO and founder of Modern Mommy Doc and the Modern Mama Club app. Dr. Whitney, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you. It's so nice to see you, too. I feel like we've been friends for years now. I mean, like, we've known each other. I, I really actually can't even think of how long it is, like, maybe three, four years? I think it's been three or four years because I
1: remember I was on a vacation, and the last time we did a podcast recording, literally my daughter was asleep in the other room, and I was trying to be kind of quiet but still be animated, and then here we are again with my daughter in the other room asleep, and I'm like, well, this time I'm just going to be around where I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so funny. I, I remember that. You're right. That was that was a long time ago. So that may have even been longer than four years ago because like, we had the pandemic and all. And the, like, this actually might have been pre-pandemic. I don't know. I don't really remember. All, all the years sort of blend together after a while. But it is super early where you are. And I was like, oh, gosh, she is a morning person. She does all the things. But you know what? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about doing all the things. Yes. And
1: yeah. And turns out I was telling you like, I am not a morning person. No, no, no. Which I think is a common misperception. Like lots of people think you have to be a morning person in order to set your day up for success. And I'm all about doing it in a way that's going to make it so you get the most rest and you feel like your best version of yourself. I usually try to force myself to get up and exercise in the morning, and I know that's better for my metabolism and all of that good stuff. But man, if I didn't hate
0: myself and my
1: life every single time that I was dragging myself to the gym, so like, no more.
0: <laughs> I hear ya. I, I always give such like credit to people that are able to wake up, get out of bed, go to the gym in the morning. I cannot do it. I've never been able to do it. I'm a, a midday kind of workout person, not even midday. I mean like morning, but more like post drop off at school. That's yes. usually yeah. school I, I do. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not like, you know, 5am. I, I have a friend, my hairstylist, she goes to Orange Theory at like five and I always give her a lot of credit. And she has three kids. And so she just, you know, gets up really early and, and finds the time to do it.
1: Yeah. Good on her. That's awesome. Lots of
0: props. People have lots of strengths, that I don't have. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know what? And we have to like respect everybody doing, doing the best that they can. So Whitney, you're a pediatrician. You're a mother. You're an author of a new book. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So I am a Stanford-trained pediatrician, and then I have a public health degree from Berkeley in maternal and child health. So professionally, kind of my specialty is that synergistic relationship between a mom's health and a kid's health and vice versa. And, you know, kind of that old adage that A mom is only as happy as her least happy kid. And again, it's only as happy as their least happy parent. I truly believe that. I think that we are totally interconnected. So all my work is about trying to help moms be basically the best version of themselves so that they can show up for everybody else, but also just so they can show up for their own selves so they can get to the end of their lives and feel like, yes, that is what I wanted it to be. It feels purposeful and aligned. And about six or seven years ago, I was practicing medicine in my clinic, and moms kept on talking to me about their work life and about trying to be good moms and feeling like they weren't able to do it. Or even more interesting to me, all these moms who were totally killing it in their careers, but then when it came to taking care of a newborn, were like, I have no idea what to do. I feel like a total dummy. And so, trying to walk them through in a more in-depth way how would I actually approach this when it comes to kind of the medical piece and also like philosophically parenting in a way that's really evidence-based and so I started doing it by writing blogs and I firstly wrote them about newborn stuff and then I wrote them about toddler stuff and then I wrote them about just like momming in general and life as a mom and that turned into a book And then into another book. And then it's now turned into a third book. The first two books are with the American Academy of Pediatrics. So they were very kid-focused. Like super about helping kids, helping to raise kids to be kind of like optimal as much as possible. And this book is about moms. You could even not be a mom and enjoy it or get some tips. I've had people tell me who have ADHD, especially like, oh, this was really helpful in terms of being more efficient, and more organized. But the book is called Doing It All, Stop Overfunctioning and Become the Mom and Person You Are Meant to Be. And it is really about how do I take all the messages, all the pressure, all of that feeling of being pulled a million different directions every single day and what do I do with it here in the real world knowing that we can all try to fight against the systemic stuff I do ardently I do advocacy work especially for physician moms in that regard but also, that stuff is slow to change. And I just feel really fired up about the idea that I don't want moms to wither away while they're waiting for everything to get better and then let 20 years or, you know, 10 years or five years even pass them by where they could actually be enjoying their life significantly more. So
0: that's what the book's about. And that's me. Yeah, I, I love it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> no, but I, I, I love the book and I love that you said you transitioned. From you know, when your past books were more parenting focused and children focused, and this one, like like you said, like literally anyone could pick this up and say, "Oh, okay." Like I want to figure out how to sort of stream my streamline my life and and be more efficient in in the things. And what I love about it too, I'm holding it up here, so let's see it right here. And what I also love about it is that there are a lot of like activities and sort of like worksheets. I don't know if you'd call them worksheets per se, but like there, there's a lot of active things in the book. There's like an audit. There's actually a couple different audits and there's like tracking your energy levels. and And obviously, yes, that works well for parents because like, you know, we're tired, <laughs> you know? we may not be getting as much sleep as some other people. But in the book, like, it's so hands-on. It's not that you're just sort of, like, passively reading about how to fix your life. Like, you're reading about how to fix your life, and then you're also, you know, tracking things, auditing things, thinking really through what's the best way to, to maximize your time and energy.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting because I toyed with two ideas about how to approach the book, One was to make it more like an untamed version, you know, like a Glennon Doyle, where it's like fully kind of more memoir-y and like philosophical and kind of like essays put together. And then the other was to make it more workbook style. And my hesitation on making it more workbook style was that I know that moms have so much to do. And so I didn't want to add even more for people to feel like they had to do what they wanted to do what I landed on was to make it kind of a hybrid of the two. So you could literally read the book or listen to the book. It's an audiobook too. Listen to the book and have it be that you just get the philosophical points. You're like, ah, oh, I had an aha moment and never ever do a workbook exercise and feel like you got, I would say 75 to 80% of the book straight away. You could also, if you were like, you know what, I really want to dig into that particular section, you could decide to do the workbook on that particular thing. So I decided I didn't want it just to be philosophical. I wanted people to feel like they could actually make change. And I knew that for me, sometimes that means taking just five minutes or so to write down where do I spend my energy? Where do I spend my time? What you're talking about is that audit we put in there in the first couple chapters that that really looks through like, if I was to number one through 10, where do I want to be spending my time? What matters the most to me? Housework, uh, my kids travel, my job, um, my relationships with my friends, and I was to rank them one through 10 in a life that felt more aligned, where would they land? And then where do they land now? I mean, that takes a couple minutes to do to write those things down, but it's pretty telling when at the top of your list of things you spend your time, your energy, and your focus on, it's your dishes and your laundry when that's the thing you care the least about, right? So sometimes doing those types of activities can help you really solidify what you're actually doing with your life.
0: <laughs> I think that a lot. And I'll tell you why, because I work from home, you know, and many times I am putting laundry in, in between meetings, in between podcasts, in between creating content or writing stuff or billing clients or something like that. And so it, that always makes me laugh because like the fact that, you know, When I worked in the corporate world, I wasn't like taking a break to go do laundry, you know, or or empty the dishwasher. Right. And so I I feel like we should probably like we can make content about that, about like being like work from home moms and that you're like taking time to empty the dishwasher and empty the sink in between client calls, because that's something I do. I mean, literally every day. It's not like, oh, it's like a one off thing. It literally happens every day.
1: No, I do too. And I actually think there's nothing Wrong with that as long as it's not taking up brain space. So, in the book, I talk about this idea of what to do with recurring tasks that are like responsibilities. So, like laundry, like the dishes, like cleaning, all of those things. And I think there's nothing wrong with going around in your day and quickly putting in a load of laundry, quickly switching it over to the dryer. Like that helps us kind of move things along. But what I get stuck in sometimes or what I did previously is where the laundry would bother me so much visually that I can't actually get the thing done that I really need to get done in the day because the laundry is tripping me up. Like I'm staring at the laundry and I'm feeling bad about myself that there's laundry on the floor. And so what I coach moms to do actually is to say, okay, you could Move things along, put it in the wash, put it in the laundry, put it in the air, the dryer, put it in a basket all day long, all week long. But then, in terms of now doing that hard work of folding it and putting away, maybe that you set a certain time on your calendar. Like for me, that's seven to nine on Wednesdays that I say, that is when that's getting done. I put on my favorite Taylor Swift album. I fold that stuff. I put it away. It's not perfect. And if it doesn't get done in that time period, then I shove it into a closet or I put it back into the basket for the next week or I give it to my kids for them to do. So really it's about that stuff just not overtaking you because it's crazy kind of how it can. Like I could fill up an entire day Just trying to get junk done, tasks done that need to get done. The Christmas cards, the PTA meeting sign up, the brownies for the Girl Scouts, like all these things that, I mean, sure, I just, I don't want them to define me. It's okay that they need to get done.
0: I don't want them to define me. Yeah, that's so well said. First of all, I love that idea about the laundry because what always trips me up also is I know that it's clean and it's in the basket, but it needs to be folded and put away. And then that sort of like looms over me for like the whole rest of the week. Because really like the act of putting clothes in the washer and dryer is not challenging. It's like putting it where it belongs, you know, where it's supposed to live. And actually I have, (laughs) I'm laughing because I have two, baskets of clean folded clothes that I need to put away. And so today is Wednesday. And so maybe tonight at seven o'clock, I'll be thinking of you as I'm putting away my laundry.
1: Love it. I love that. Yeah. And again, like you've got to do, if that's something you hate, you know, that like I do, then you pair it with something that you love. You have a glass of wine, you listen to the good music, you put on a show in the background, you know, like Whatever it is, it will make you kind of motivated. But I think the most important is just setting the time limit on it so it doesn't eat you up.
0: I like that. It's it's like scheduling that task. And you know what? Like, I am so good about scheduling my work stuff in my calendar. I, like, live and breathe by my calendar. And if something's not in it, most likely it's not going to get done that day. And so, but if you think about the Wednesdays at 7 o'clock as the laundry thing, and if, if I put that in my calendar, then I know I'm going to do that. Because, like I said, I live and breathe by my calendar. So I really like that idea. Thank you, Wit.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And I think the reason... Why it matters is because it's so easy to get lost in the junk. And what I want moms to remember is that there are a few things, we all have different things in our lives that we really want to say yes to all the time. But sometimes we get distracted because we live in an attention economy world where, you know, there's a ding on our phone every five seconds, where it feels like the urgency of stuff that is unimportant can come at us really quickly. And what I find is the demise of so many moms is that they're unable, not because they're like stupid, but because they just are untrained to prioritize and basically to triage. So in medicine, because I'm a doctor, I've learned triaging all the time. Like, oh, this kid is really sick. They need my attention right now. This kid has to go to the emergency room, Drop everything and work on that. This is a kid with a cold who matters. I need to treat them with kindness, but if they had to wait an extra 20 minutes, that would be okay in order to take care of this other thing. But a lot of times, even as a physician in our personal lives, we don't do the same thing. I just was talking with a group of women at Stanford and UCSF who are all physician moms. And who, when I said that, were like, oh, you're totally right. At home, I never do that. I treat everything as equal. And so I really want to encourage moms to think about, to get granular about what are the five things in your life that you care the most about. That when you're 80, you're at your birthday party, people are like, this is who she is. That you can count on those things. Um, mine are connected a connection with my kids. Mine are um, contributing to other women. I'm always going to say yes to something that's about contributing to other women, whether I get paid for it or not, usually, because it matters to me. Physical health and wellness. And I don't mean being a size two. I mean, being like in in my own place, protecting my peace, feeling good in my body. Financial literacy, making sure that I'm not in huge amounts of debt. And then my final kind of unique unicorn one or unicorn space one, like Evrodsky would say, is exploring new cultures, exploring new places, exploring new music, going to new shows, reading new books, like stuff like that. And you'll notice all of that stuff is possible for me every single day, kind of no matter what's happening in my life. Because I think that's a big thing. Sometimes when people are doing self-help types of books or self-help topics, they talk about stuff as if we live in a bubble as if we don't live here in the real world. I have an autistic daughter. The reality is life is not always rainbows and sunshine for us, but I can still come back to these principles, to these things that I care the most about, no matter what's happening in our day. So at the end of a tough day with her, if she's having tons of meltdowns or if I didn't get anything done because I had to pick her up from school, okay, well, what can I do at the end of the day to help myself feel like I'm coming back to myself? probably it's going to be reading a book or it's going to be just listening to like one Justin Bieber song brings me back to me, you know, like whatever it is that allows you to feel like you're you again, or you had some part of your day that fit with what you wanted
0: it to be. Yes, yes, yes. I challenge all of the listeners right now to figure out and determine their five things. Mm-hmm. Now, would you yeah. call those values? What What would you call that? Because I don't want to just yeah. call them sales.
1: So in the book, I call them center points. And people always yes. ask, why are there five? It's because two feels like not enough. Ten feels like way too many to remember. I want you to remember them and be able to count them on your hand. So I made them five so that they were easy to remember, easy to come back to. They're called center points. And we do a whole exercise in the book about how to determine what they are. Some people could rattle them off right now. Like you might be able to to be like, oh yeah, I know what my five are. These are the things I care about. But some people need a little extra help. And so we go through exercises that allow you to figure out what are the activities that bring you joy and what are my own individual values in my life. And so those combinations, how am I going to kind of create center points from that? The other way to figure it out is to ask other people in your life. Like, when do I feel the most lit up? When do you see me as my best self? What are the things that you see me always talking about and getting really excited about? That's a really easy way too.
0: Calling all parents of tiny titans, future CEOs and mini movers and shakers. Is your little one a whirlwind of big dreams and even bigger tantrums? Do they have the potential to be unstoppable but lack the tools to navigate the everyday chaos? Then buckle up because TapOuts, the ultimate kids coaching program, is here to unleash your child's inner champion. TapOuts isn't about karate or soccer drills, it trains kids in building resilience. Confidence and communication skills that last a lifetime. Their expert coaches, who are basically superheroes in disguise, will help your child harness their energy to channel their power into positive action. Face their fears by equipping them with the tools to overcome challenges and build emotional muscle. Forget tantrums and misunderstandings. Tapouts fosters clear communication, empathy, and healthy relationships discover their passions, whether it's building robots, painting masterpieces, or saving the planet. Tapouts helps kids find their spark and ignite their unique talents. Tapouts isn't just a program. It's a community, a village of supportive parents, empowered kids, and coaches who believe in your child's magic. So, ready to watch your little one tap into their full potential? Visit tapouts.com today and unlock a free trial session. PS, don't forget the seeker code is TARA50 for 50% off your first month. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could rattle mine off right now, Freddie. One would be connection with my son. Next one would be connection with my husband. Third one is building up women, just as you mentioned. I am all about uh, the community and, and helping people. And really, I am a firm believer that the tide raises all ships. And, you and I have known that because I feel like we've spoken about that for for a very long time. So that's my third one. Fourth one is actually similar to what you were saying about exploring new cultures and new places. Uh, we like to travel. And currently, I'm teaching myself Italian on Duolingo. And I'm cool. at 500-day streak. So oh I'm, my I'm crushing. Oh, gosh. Are <laughs> you switched? So that's What's happening? No, but I could definitely like read pretty well, and so uh, we have cousins. It's my husband's cousins. They live in Sicily, and I, when I see their posts on Facebook, I can like read through their posts and stuff like that. So yeah, so it's fun. That's
1: so so exciting! I love it. I, I need to do that. I need to go back to French and like my French minor and really get into that. I mean, I think that yeah, would bring me do the it. joy.
0: It brings me so much joy. It's something I do, like I said, every single day for 500 days. It's something that I do for at least 15 minutes because that's sort of how dual. Actually, no, it's longer than that. It's at least a half an hour because it's like 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night. But then sometimes it's like longer than that, depending how like in the groove I am. Yeah, it's something that if my son's doing homework and then I sit and I do my homework. And uh, so, yeah, so learning a new language is is our other thing. That's so, rad.
1: I know. I want to learn uh, how to play piano again. When I was, like, um, I played piano till I was 12. And then my mom, I'm like, mom, you should have made me keep on going. That was the moment that I would have actually been able to play the piano. If I just got like two more years, I would have been good, you know. But anyway, I think my parents are going to give us their old piano in the next year or two, and then I'm like, okay, it's on. I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna learn how to play piano. So I'm with you. Yeah, it's like yes. music, culture, language, all that stuff, all goes together. Yes, you have to keep your brain going. You know, like I mean, obviously, like y- you do because you work in medicine, so you're thinking all the time. But you need to like one expand your brain. Two get out of like the everyday routine of like like we said about the dishes and the laundry and the caretaking and all of that, and like do something for yourself. But do something for yourself that expands you in, in a way, and this goes back to what you were saying about Eve Rodsky's book of unicorn space, where that's something just for you. And it's, it's, you're protecting your own time. Right. And so that's what I do with my Italian. Now, am I going to like go run around and speak Italian everywhere? No, but wouldn't that be fun? Yes. But when we go to Italy in a year or two, will I feel confident enough to speak? I don't know. We'll see. Well, they're super nice there though. I feel like they are like, super nice.
1: Yeah, like in France, you know, I feel like, so I was a French minor, so I feel like this time as an adult, we went back like a year ago, and when I used my very basic French that I have now, actually I felt like people were kind about it, but I think it's because I'm in my 40s. And I just like didn't give two Fs. You know what I mean? I was like, whatever. <laughs> yes. I'm going to try and use this. I'm like, it's going to go how it's going to go versus I feel like when I was in my 20s and I was there in college doing study abroad, I cared like a ton how I appeared. And actually, I mean, that's a huge thing from the book that I talk about is like a lot of the uh, not, it's not pushback, but a lot of the internal resistance that I feel from moms is sometimes like, well, but my kids need me. Well, but like that is like showing up a little too much. Like it's just going to like I, I can't take up that much space. You don't understand how much like stuff I have going on. I'm like, no, actually, I really do understand how much stuff you have going on. <laughs> I like, Of all the people, I uh, 100% understand. How you much totally do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I think that's like a thing to get fired up about as a woman. Like, I do not want to live my entire life, pleasing other people, putting other people ahead of me, not being able to like who I am, who I become, how I spend my time in the service of other people liking me and approving of who I am and liking how I live my life. Like, because what I have found, and actually recently, like, job-wise, what I found is you are so replaceable, unfortunately, professionally. Like, the minute that you tell a job, like, I'm not going to be there anymore, they go, okay, bye, and then you're gone. All that time you put in, all that investment, all of that stuff, and not that you shouldn't try your best and do a great job and everything, but, like, your job actually, in the end, doesn't define you. You know, Friendships there are plenty of friendships that I've had that like, eventually you drift apart. And like, think about all the stuff you did to be pleasing to these people. You know, your parents, they died, like, like, in the end, it's just you. And so I have really been thinking about that. And I think that's the thing that happens as a little bit of wisdom in your 40s. I saw you put a post that's like, if you're older than thirty, what would you tell people that are younger than thirty? And I think that's like yeah. the main thing I would tell people: is at the end, you better be in the center of your own life because that's all you have in the end. Yeah,
0: comment on that post because it's it's doing really well right now. And and not only like is it doing really well, but it's doing well from like a perspective of the advice that people are dropping there is gold. It is absolutely gold. One could write a book based upon all of the advice there. It's really phenomenal. And and it, it's so wise. One girl, and I feel bad and I, I should probably comment. She was like, you're making people like that are 40 feel old. I'm like, first of all, I'm in, I mean, not 40, 30. She was saying that you're making like a 30 year old feel old. And I'm like, first of all, like I'm in my forties. So like, like, I'm not making you feel like, don't worry about that. But you know, that's just how social media is though. But everyone else was like super supportive because the whole thing is regardless of age, it's life advice. You know, whether you're 20, whether you're 45, like this is just good advice to, share with the community. So I just thought that yeah. was kind of funny. So yeah, yeah well, drop that. drop your too. advice about, about you're the center of your life.
1: Yeah, totally. No, I will. I'll do that today. Yeah, I mean, I think it's true. Like a 20-year-old had something to teach a 16-year-old. A 30-year-old has something to teach a 20-year-old. We all gain wisdom as we get older. And I mean, ironically, I think it's because You have more waves of life that come at you. And so you just get a little bit more wise with like, as the reality of life hits you and as you realize what's important, which is really what this book's about. This book is about defining for yourself what's important in your life and then strategies for how do you take care of everything else. And the strategies in it, in the book, honestly, are not, I feel like they're not for me, where the gold is, but what I found is actually when people read the book, A, they cry at the first chapter or two, because I talk a lot about some like pretty deep experiences I have with my daughter. And then afterward, once they get to the strategies, they're like, oh my gosh, this is going to make me a better business person. What? This is going to like, you know, make me so efficient. But I didn't think about it that way, because that's like, in my nature to be efficient. So <laughs> I'm surprised of that part, but I'm happy for people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. In the book, you talk about, I mean, I think I want to say the entire thing sort of centered around this centered life blueprint. And I know you sort of referred to it earlier on, but I really want to talk more about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, what it is, is a diagram or a framework where you picture life as a box. And then inside the box is a circle. And picture the circle like pushing up kind of against the edges of the box. And in that circle are the five center points that we talked about. So the five things that you care the most about. And I talk about how to define all those things. And then on the outside of the circle, but inside the box in the four corners are all the things that have to get done, but shouldn't define you. And I divide them up into four different categories. So at the top right is the non-negotiables. And these are all the things that you can do and you alone can do. So that's for me as a physician, writing my patient notes. That might be for someone who is a breastfeeding mom and solo breastfeeding, the breastfeeding, they're the feeder in chief at, at that exact moment. If you are a single parent and you have really, really young kids that might be doing the laundry or might be doing the dishes, then, because I know this is going to be in the back of people's minds, the next category at the bottom right is the swappables. So if you are not living alone and you're not the only person in your family, what are the things you could be giving to other people to do? So that might be a partner, that might be your kids, that might be people in your village. And don't at me about the fact that we have no modern mom village because I a hundred percent agree that we all live in isolation and that we're in our own little bubbles, but they're totally our ways to build community. In fact, I think it's interesting being in the like online space because I get a ton of community from like relationships like ours where it's not like you and I chat on the phone ever. We've never chatted on the phone, but I can feel the support and, back and forth. Like there's tons of people that I feel seen by, that I feel like I get support from, those types of things, and also real friendship. So we talked about that in that chapter. And then there's on the lower left side, the contaminators. And these are all the things that we say yes to in our lives out of guilt or out of obligation. So these are things like being part of the PTA if you really don't want to, but you feel like you should. This is signing your (laughs) kid up. That sounds familiar. I used to do that. Totally. No, I'm like, hard pass. No. This is signing your kid up for the fifth extracurricular activity in order to keep up with the Joneses. This is maybe sending out Christmas cards when you don't need to, or Hanukkah cards, like when that's just not something that actually you care about at all. But now you've spent $500 on postage and minted cards, you know? And then in the left upper corner, are all the things that are the heartstrings. So the things that you care about, you feel kind of conflicted about, you want to do, but they eat up a bunch of your energy and your time and your emotions if you're not doing them in a way that's going to be useful for you or productive for you. So my best example here is my dad. Uh, My dad has Parkinson's. He's in his 70s. He was this like huge, figure like the MC at every school. He was a teacher for a long time. So like the MC at all the events for the school and like officiated weddings, like this, like just this huge personality. And now he has Parkinson's. And it's like I'm with the ghost of a person that I knew before. And so it's very difficult emotionally for me. And yet I want to honor this person. But it's like hard to have a conversation with him or to be around him because he asks the same question eight times and uh, then doesn't remember the answer. So I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's like, so painful, right? Like, it's a very, like, it's one of the hardest things in my life other than my kids stuff. And so I spend time with my parents, but I have to do it in very specific kind of chunks in a specific way so that then I can pick myself up off the floor and keep on working when I need to. Like I cannot schedule a podcast episode after spending time with my dad. I have, I'm done for the day. So I have to schedule it at like four o'clock in the afternoon with one of my kids so that they're not a distraction. And so that I don't have anything else that I have to do for the rest of the day if I'm hanging out with them. So, so that's kind of how the framework works. The biggest thing that people always ask about is the swappables. Which is, you know, the giving stuff to other people. I do have an entire chapter that is on uh, your partner, and if you have a male partner, how to help them to carry more of the mental load. Super important. The one thing that I think I differ from Eve Rodsky on a little bit on this, and I love Eve Rodsky, and she was a huge supporter of this book, and you know, on the cover with the quote and whatnot, is she lays out the framework and she talks about how to divide and conquer with your partner. But it doesn't really have a part at the end about like, how do you keep it going? Or how do you even have those tough conversations? Or how do you like show up for yourself enough to be like when your partner refuses or when they like conveniently forget, or when you feel like you're still being a nag, like what do you do then? (laughs) It kind of assumes that your partner is like fully on board. Right. It and that's like, a huge assumption. It really is a huge assumption. It's a huge assumption because I will tell you that in my house, we have some real conversations where I am like, yo, dude, what's going on? Hello. You know what I mean? Like, so I address that a lot in this book. Like, okay, Ben, how do you have a conversation to tell your partner? Like, I'm feeling like I'm caring too much. Or how do you, if your partner will not carry the mental load in that moment or in life, how do you get other people to be on board to carry more of the stuff? Or, again, going back to the internet. Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, give me a nugget on, like, how do you broach that conversation? Yeah. So
1: I use what's called, what therapists call compassionate assertiveness, which is talking about... You empathizing with the other person about what they might be going through, and then you stating what your need is, and then you being okay with whatever the response is. So it might go like this. Okay, I left town. I was doing a presentation in Boston. My husband forgot to get my daughter her medication, which she really needs for her autism and anxiety in order to function in the world. Okay, forgot to get the medication. So I come back and she's a hot mess, and I go, You know, hey, I, she's acting kind of odd. Did you not get her medication? He goes, Oh gosh, I forgot. Oh, sorry. You know, and I go, Well, it's actually a really big deal. It's like, You know, we're busy. So, okay, compassionate. It sort of just looks like this like, Hey, I get that when I'm not here, a lot of times I'm taking care of a lot of the little things. And so it might've felt overwhelming. And I know you had work and this was a busy work week for you. And you had some important clients that were coming in. So I totally get that. And I know that your heart is in the right place, that you want her to have the medication and to thrive and all of that. So like a shared value statement and also understanding where he's coming from. And then (laughs) the next is like, but the kind of minimum standard of care, again, the stuff, right? Like the minimum that I expect is that she will receive her medications every day. I actually don't care if she's clothed. I don't care if she has... she any, had a bath. <laughs> yeah. She could be on screens all day. I mean, honestly, like that is the thing that matters the most in this house. So what do we need to do to make sure that when you're the one in charge that she gets her medication? I mean, to me, that's like, you are in charge. And then if there's pushback, which sometimes there is, I would have said, well, should I just expect that I can't go anywhere? I I know you're a capable, you're a capable human being. You are capable of doing this. You go to your job, you do notes. So to me, when I hear that, like that can't happen or that it's not as big a deal to you, that makes me think you don't value it in the same way that I do. Like, do we need to wow. have a conversation about that, or are we good? I mean, like, let's be straight. You know. Yeah. So that's, that's so how good. that looks. Yeah, that's how that looks in my house. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh. And I think a younger version of me, or a less assured version of me, would go like, "Well, okay, what can I do for you to make it easier for you to remember? Can I put it in a pill box? Can I?" You know, one of those little things like the Monday, Tuesday, whatever. Mm -hmm, Could I, mm -hmm. could I lay it out for you the day before I leave? And I'm like, no, you're a grown person. Like, (laughs) let's go back to shared values and to the fact that you are responsible. So that's that's how that looks in my house on really important things. On other things that don't, that like I'm hoping that they'll do, but they don't. Like, you know, take the trash out, but I'm, I'm like, could you take the trash out? You know, it's like really full and I need to put a new trash bag in and like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. You know, and then like 10 minutes later, like, could you take the trash out? You know, one thing that I love, Dr. Morgan Cutlip talks about this is starting out with a request was saying a time limit was saying like, Hey, in five minutes, I need to actually, I'm going to be doing some baking. So I'm going to refill the trash So do you think it'd be possible in the next five minutes for you to take the trash out? And then now I'm not going to nag. And then if it doesn't get done in five minutes, then I'll just do it myself. You know what I mean? But like, (laughs) that.
0: yes, well, that makes sense. Because if you think about it, like we often give our children a numerical time limit, you know, like five more minutes and wrap up what you're doing. Ten more minutes, we have to leave the house to go to school. So it's like, why wouldn't we try that with our partners? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, And then I think the third principle, so there's like the communication. I think there's the more clear like information about when it needs to get done. Because I think if people aren't used to being the one, if a partner isn't used to being the one that takes on the task and they don't do it often, but they're trying to learn how to take on the task. I actually think it's totally reasonable that they would have to learn then what is the timeliness that helps the house run. I know that feels like you're babying someone, but I always try to remind myself that it's been like generations of women being in charge of all this stuff. And so it's more top of mind for us than it is for our partners. And so like, I can give some grace on that. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. I can give grace. The third thing though, I think is accountability. I know is accountability. So either a couples therapist, which I've been to a ton with my husband, not because we have more problems than other people, but just because I like really care about us being in sync and on the same page. So a couple's therapist or groups of other people that couples that are trying to do the same thing in their life. So that that way there's like a little bit of accountability there. But just don't think we can do a thing like fair play or any other system that's like that and be like, okay, done. Sweet. All done. <laughs> this is yes, a journey. It's an ongoing process. This is an ongoing process for all of us, and it will be until the day we die. My kids' kids, I hope not. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Yes, but we're paving the way for it. I'm paving the way. Why would I expect it to be perfect now? And at the same time, I'm not going to wither away and keep on taking on all the junk. So that means I'm going to have to get a little, like, fired up for myself. And be like, nope, I guess we're going back to the
0: people to talk about it. (laughs) Let's read the book again. (laughs) I love it. I love your book. I think it's fantastic. Tell everyone where they can find it. Yep. So you can find out more about me and about the
1: book at modernmommydoc.com. I'm on Instagram. It's where I hang out the most at modern Mommy doc. I try to be kind of funny over there and a little bit flippant over there. If you want more serious stuff and academic stuff, go find me on LinkedIn. And then uh, the book itself is available wherever books are sold. Amazon is the easiest. You can get it on audible paperback and in Kindle format there.
0: Everyone should read this book. It's amazing. Whitney, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another Modern Mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow Or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling.